Hey, everybody. We're recording this on the day. Uh, we all received some unfortunate news. Bill Russell, uh, NBA great, 11-time NBA champion, 12-time um, All-Star. Guy got so bored after winning nine NBA championships, he decided to player coach the last two. Uh, the absolute all-time great uh, Boston Celtic. Um, got the Lifetime Achievement Award uh, in the NBA in 2019. Got a Presidential Medal of Freedom in 2011. Just an absolute all-around legend uh, and a sad day in the NBA. So we wanted to recognize off the top uh, that we lost one of the greats today. Uh, I'll always kind of remember that that year at the NBA Awards where Charles Barkley gave him a shout-out. <laughs> and he turned around and gave Charles Barkley the bird. Uh, and then his follow-up tweet after the awards apologizing. But noticing or but noting that that was just pure instinct every time he saw Charles. That was That's what he had to do. So just a, an absolute beloved guy all around the league. Um, the the finals MVP trophy named after him. Just we lost a legend today and a sad moment for all. Welcome to another edition of The Gunshot, your NBA podcast that covers all teams regardless of market size. Uh, and I am back from vacation. Uh, Lauren carrying the podcast without me. Uh, did a great sit-down interview with uh, Texas Legends coach George Galanopoulos. Told some great stories about what it was like coaching in the G League, uh, as well as the Summer League this past uh, summer, I guess, past few months. So great, great stories, great things to hear. I, if you haven't listened to that, go back and take a listen. And the other thing she did is she began our series, a look around the NBA, where we just take a look not only this upcoming year, but as well as into the future. What do things look like for every single team in the NBA? Uh, she started that, and we are going to continue that today with part two. We're bringing four more teams to you guys, uh, and we're going to start it off with with a team that made a big splash. Uh, the Hawks traded for Kevin Herter, or excuse me, traded away Kevin Herter, and that was all they did, right, Lauren? Right. No, no, because we started the podcast a second ago and I forgot the big trade of DeJounte Murray. And she looked at me and said, Grant, we can't, we can't, we can't, <laughs> we can't start Murray. our series. <laughs> we can't start our look around the NBA. Exactly. Bye. So I'm back. So I'm back from vacation and you can tell I'm already on things, but she's got me in check. Uh, and this was a huge move for the Hawks. And we'll talk about it in a second. But after taking a step back, uh, they were in the Western Conference finals and then turned around and had a not so great year. And so they finally kind of, reassessed and they made this big trade I'll, I'll give you the trades of both so Dejounte Murray they traded away Danilo Gallinari they traded away the 2023 pick that they had from Charlotte as well as their 2025 and 2027 draft picks as well as a 2026 pick swap so four picks involved uh, as well as they traded away Kevin Herter for Justin Holiday, Mo Harkless, and then they received a 2024 lottery protected pick in that. So a lot of moves for them. They they moved off of Gallinari and Kevin Herter, which were um, some big money, long-term contracts that they had some questions for, uh, and they brought in a huge upgrade in DeJounte Murray. So Lauren, let's, let's talk about that off the top. What do things look like for Atlanta next season? Yeah, I mean, I think that they're in a much better much better place personnel wise they obviously had a little bit of a like you said a step back last year 
Um, and uh, they do still have a big question with John Collins and what's that going to look like. Um, that still seems to be an ongoing issue that has just been, I don't want to say brushed under the rug for the time being, but even with that situation going into next season, you still have Clint Capella, who's a key part of, of what they they're trying to put together and what they've been putting together in Atlanta um, and getting DeJounte Murray, who is someone that I think is going to be very, uh, a very solid fit alongside Trey Young. Uh, they're very, they have very complimentary games. I'll be very interested to see how he plays off ball. I, I, I definitely have questions there, but I think him b- being on ball and allowing Trey Young to play off ball will be something that bodes very well for Atlanta. Um, and then as much as um, I liked Kevin Herter there, as being a guy that can be slippery off the ball. Um, and I'm sure Atlanta's going to miss Red Velvet. But I, I think <laughs> moving off of him and bringing back a first-round pick to kind of help, I guess, ease the pain of sending out three for DeJounte Murray, uh, I liked that move. And it it opens things up for, for Bogdan Bogdanovich to really kind of play up to his contract value. And then on top of losing – or even though they lost Kevin Herter – uh, they bring in AJ Griffin. And I think that that was a really, really solid pick for them. Um, and so I, I just, I like the group that they're going into next year uh, with the, the the additions that they made so far, even, even uh, the, the guys that they brought in, in the Kevin Herter trade, uh, Mo Harkless and Justin Holiday. Those are really solid rotation pieces for a team that's looking to make some noise in the playoffs. And so when you've got a guy as talented as Trey Young, uh, that's a good, you want to kind of have top to bottom. You want those spots filled in with, with solid guys. And another maybe uh, overlooked piece to this puzzle um, is Jalen Johnson moving on from Gallo in that trade uh, to, to the Spurs moving, moving Gallo. And that opens up more power forward, uh, small ball, big minutes for Jalen Johnson, who I think some people still believe in he might not have didn't have the best year at Duke before he got drafted then didn't have too much opportunity last year in Atlanta so I think there some people might have questions some people might have given up whatever the case may be but I think this is going to be a really good good opportunity for him I like him as a player I think he's got plenty of room to grow so I like the group that Atlanta is running in this into this year with um but I think John Collins is still a very big question or and I would not be surprised at all to see that continue to be a question heading into the deadline Right. Uh, You touched off the top, the DeJounte Murray trade. I think that's going to prove to be leaps and bounds uh, better for them. Obviously, we've talked in the past how competitive the Eastern Conference is going to be. The Kevin Durant situation is going to potentially change that. So we won't dive into what what ifs at this point. But just just on the fact of that, I mean, you talk about Trey Young playing off ball. In my mind, that is the dream scenario. You watch what Steph Curry is able to do off ball. Mm-hmm. Trey Young just feels even slipperier to me. And so I feel like they're they're just going to have so many different looks that they can give him and, and our, their offense is going to be completely different than what we've seen. So so I love that for Trey. Uh, at the same time, we're going to see the high usage ball heavy minutes that he continues to carry because you're going to be able to kind of stack these guys. You don't have to play them on the court all the time together. Uh, and so that's going to be huge for them. Uh, and the other thing you talked about, John Collins, that's obviously a question uh, but on Yeko Kongwu, uh, a guy they drafted top three a couple couple years ago, really has shown great flashes. Um, both him and Capella are tied in last season. They both averaged 1.3 blocks per game. However, Okongwu did it in seven fewer minutes per game. So the guy's just very active. 
uh, a great rim protector. And you like to think that he's going to get some more opportunity as well with Gallo being out. Uh, but but what does this mean for Atlanta moving forward? Lauren uh, Okong was only 21. Uh, Capella is only 27. So it's not like by any means he is not useful. Um, but on paper, these two don't look like a great fit. Now, mm-hmm. we're going to see if if this is possible in the NBA. Minnesota has said, hey, we're going to roll forward with a, a Go Bear Towns lineup. The mm-hmm. Lakers won a championship in the bubble, very being very big centric. Uh, is this something that you see them having success with, or do you think they're going to have to make a decision sometime soon? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I lean more towards they're going to have to make a decision soon, and I think from what I've seen from from some Hawks fans is that that's kind of where their head is at. Uh, I think Capella and Okongwu, uh, while Capella has more size than Okong Okongwu. Um, their games are are a little redundant to play next to each other. And so with Okongwu being so young and showing the flashes that you mentioned before, um, I do think that there's an interest in giving him that starting spot. Not Obviously not while Capella is still on the team. That I do not see that happening. But moving in a direction that allows Okongwu to become the starting center um, and to become um or to, to just take over a a position in a role that allows him to reach his ceiling uh and i think that that comes with being the starting big man and as much as john collins um i just as much as his future is so uncertain there uh john collins and okongwu would be a complimentary duo in the same way that john collins and clint capella are a complimentary duo um and I, another thing Okong was still on his rookie contract. Clint Capella is making 18 million this year. And I believe 18 million the following year or around 18 million the following year. Um, But he's a guy that there will be lots of suitors for. So um, I would be interested to see kind of where that, I would honestly be kind of interested to see if they entertain any sort of potential DeAndre Ayton trade or just try and what the Capella conversation leads to, or if they even really do look at moving him. If they start the season off really strong um, and he's a big part of that, then maybe they push that conversation back uh, until they have to. But Okongwu, it's it's clear that they really, really love what he brings to the table. He's a great fit for the system. So I do think it's only a matter of time until he is that starting five man. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. I, I think the interesting point, to talk about um, Capella played 74 games last year was, was practically available for them all. He only played 27 minutes a night, 27.6 to be exact. So if you want to round up to 28, feel free, but, but that's not a ton. Uh, the Hawks obviously played a lot of guys last year. They only had two guys who averaged more than 30, 30 minutes a game. That was Trey young and John Collins. Uh, if you look at guys who played more than 34 games, they had 12 guys who played more than 20 minutes a night and 34 games. They had a couple guys who, if you look at uh, Chandy Brown, Chandy Brown Jr., I don't know if I said that right. He played in three games, averaged 27.7. So, like, I'm not including him in this. Uh, but they played a lot of guys a lot of minutes last year. So, mm-hmm. now that now that we think they're going to be a little more competitive, or, or at least that's their plan, do we see an uptick in some of these guys' minutes and if so, what does that look like for production? What does that look like for uh, outlook? I'm going to go back. I'm looking at basketball reference right now. I'm obviously looking at last year. They they finished ninth in the Eastern Conference, didn't make the playoffs. The prior year where they made the Western Conference Finals, Clint Capella was playing 30 minutes. So, I mean, again, not a drastic uptick, but 
it just may be where the Hawks are headed. They're a very fast-paced team with Trey Young. They've got to get up and down and score. That may continue with DeJounte Murray. Um, but I don't know how how Capella fits in the system moving forward either. Well, yeah, what are your I thoughts? Mean, yeah, I mean, the thing about the Eastern Conference is that it, it there are so many different teams on different timelines. But what we've seen, not to, and I don't want to stray far from this, but what we've seen with the Boston Celtics in past in in recent years, more so this past year, is that you can be under twenty five and you can be making waves if you've got the right fit, you've got the right talent you get health on your side and everybody's on the same page. And so what I like about this Atlanta team is that they seem to be, a lot of them seem to have really close relationships. Uh, and I, I, again, I like their roster. And so I think they've got some intriguing young talent. I love that they brought back or that they brought in uh, Aaron holiday to bring in with Justin holiday and back with Nate McMillan. I like, I just like the group that they've got top to bottom. So I do think, even if they do try and make moves, like they're another team that has flexibility to be active at the deadline, whether that means bringing in more assets to help facilitate a deal because they have different kinds of contracts or because they know that there are several teams out there that could really use a guy like Clint Capella and they might be able to sell high for him while still having his replacement ready to go. So um, I just think that they have a lot of options and I really, I I do find that to be intriguing because there are plenty of teams out there that don't have very many options. Uh, What do you got? Well, we've talked in the past how important flexibility can be for some of these Mm -hmm. teams, Portland being a team that's come to mind. Um, You talk about the Hawks being a team that could be active on the deadline. I think you're 100% right. I think they could find themselves in one of two positions. One, they could be right on that playoff bubble trying to put themselves comfortably in the playoffs and not have to worry about the play-in. Or I could see them comfortably in that 4-5 spot, 3-4 spot, just depending on how other things shake out. And saying, hey, we need one more piece that's going to put us into the playoffs, who's going to put us into contention, whatever that may be. So, Lauren, what are some of the the potential names, guys that are being shopped around now or that you could be could see being shopped around soon uh, that makes sense for for Atlanta to pursue? Yeah, I mean, for them, similar to some of these other teams that we've talked about, they've got their number one. They've got their number one. So the key is really, and they've got their number two now and DeJounte Murray, like that right. guy is no joke. And so filling in the gaps, I don't want to say number two is, oh, DeJounte Murray can, that's, I'm definitively saying he can be a number two on a championship team. Um, I'm, I'm not necessarily saying that, but he is a very talented player on both sides of the ball. And now that he's playing in Atlanta and is playing in a competitive situation, um, people are going to see why he, he warranted three first round picks if, if, anyone disagrees with that but going into the trade deadline uh i think they're going to be looking at, to maximize on other situations and potentially look to necessarily fill in the gaps i don't think they need to make a massive swing i mean there there are guys that they've been linked to before a guy like harrison barnes i think would be a, a really solid fit there gives them another scoring option lots of veteran experience i think he would fit in personnel wise even if they didn't have to i don't want to say they wouldn't have to give up uh, a ton but i feel like making a move for someone like harrison barnes would uh Sacramento would probably prefer draft compensation over you know a matching salary or a, a player necessarily so I think that that could be a potential option for them um I think you know always adding more wings and looking at some of these guys that have just they're in situations where I they don't it doesn't look like they will be there for for the foreseeable future I think Matisse Thibel is an interesting uh name just because of the youth uh both sides of the ball um 
I think that's an interesting one for them. Jordan Clarkson is another one. If you're trying to go in the playoffs, having a guy like Jordan Clarkson on your team is always good. And so I, I think he would embrace kind of being competitive and, and being on a hungry young team like the Atlanta Hawks. Um, so those are just, those are just a few names right there. I think there are plenty of options out in Atlanta. What are your thoughts? No, it's going to be fascinating to kind of watch uh, for the reasons we've talked about. I mean, a name that comes to mind is Buddy Heald. Uh, what the future looks like for the Pacers is, is definitely up in question. Miles Turner is the name that they're shopping right now. Uh, but Buddy Heald is another guy who could potentially earn some draft capital if you're looking uh, to sell come trade deadline time. And, and that could be a, a piece that fits in nicely on this team. So that's another guy I've got my eye on. But it's going to be fascinating for the same for the same reasons you talked about Jordan Clarkson. I, I think Buddy Heald could fit there as well. So a um, lot of interesting things for Atlanta to keep their eyes on. Uh, but Lauren, I want to turn our team our attention to our next team. Uh, this was a team that we looked at after their draft last year. Uh, we had a lot of great things to say, a lot of exciting moves that they made. They had four first round picks this year. They added another three first round picks and the future looks pretty bright. Uh, and that's down in Houston. I hate to say it as a Mavs fan, <laughs> Yeah. Um, but after drafting Jalen Green and Alperin Sangoon last year, they also drafted Usman Garuba and Josh Christopher. This year, they turn around and grab Jabari Smith at three, who many thought was going to be the number one pick, uh, as well as Tari Eason at 17 and Ty Ty Washington right at the end of the first round and number 20, 29. Uh, so over the past two years, they've acquired a couple of young guys uh, on top of Kevin Porter Jr. that they had and Jay Sean Tate, who they re-signed to a three-year extension, $22 million deal this year. So, I mean, a lot of young pieces. Obviously, this is not a team that's going to contend or or look to contend this year. Uh, mm-hmm. But a lot of things to be excited about. So, Lauren, just, just off the top, what are your thoughts on the Rockets moving forward? Yeah, I mean, I think that they've got one of the brightest futures in terms of looking at their landscape from a player development standpoint, from who their head coach is. Um, from the guys on their team, I think Jabari Smith with, I think the, the kind of player that he is and the kind of personality he is bringing that in to the young, hungry Jalen Green, Kevin Borders Jr., Jay Sean Tate uh, group is is huge because he just he has this sense of maturity and professionalism that's like hey we you know we're serious we're serious and so I love bringing him in there with him being so solid defensively I'm going to be very intrigued to see the Changun uh, Jabari front court duo you've got both sides of the ball there and you've got a lot of talent so I'm very intrigued by that I mean their draft last year I thought was actually perfect I thought Jalen Green was the right pick um, and then as far as getting Changun, as far as getting Garuba, who I'm still very much a believer in, um, and, and and getting Josh Christopher, I mean, these are all guys that I thought you're getting different kinds of players. Uh, even Josh Christopher, who was the latest pick of all of those guys, is a guy that a lot of draft Twitter liked uh, and saw as having some potential or, or solid potential. And so I just, I think they continue to assess talent very well and draft different kinds of guys so to kind of cover their bases. And so if maybe one doesn't work out, hey, well, we've got plenty of like the guys that they're getting are just they seem to be really popular among draft Twitter. And it just seems like they cannot miss uh, Tari Eason, I think, is obviously the most recent example of that. Jabari was was fantastic, but he was a top three pick. So it's kind of hard to miss up there. But Tari Eason, uh, very solid in summer league. Um, 
and just looks like he's ready to go. He's a rookie, but he just looks like he is ready to go. Uh, and he's going to be really fun. It looks like he's super stoked to be in Houston. So I just love the culture and the identity that they're establishing down in Houston. Um, and from a financial standpoint, moving forward next, next summer, looks like they're going to have two max slots available. It looks like this is the year that Eric Gordon will probably get traded. That will net them at least one first round pick. It's, Got to assume there are going to be a bunch of bidders there. So I'm very fascinated to see how they operate with two max slots to use, a lot of money to use, and then additionally the first round pick that they will have this year. Um, let me actually see real quick how many picks that they have this year. I'm, it's My mind is blanking. I wanted to say it was two. Um, while while two you first round picks, Two first round picks this year. Yeah, while, while you take a look. So it's a, two more first round picks is obviously a – what seems to be more than enough for them. They've drafted extremely well, at least off the base. Obviously, who knows what these guys will turn into. But um, I remember when we talked about Chingun last year, neither of us were high on him, but we said he's going to have to go somewhere who who could to a place who can give him time. He's going to need reps and minutes, and Houston was the perfect place for that. And we saw a lot of good things from him last year. Uh, obviously, very tough when you're losing. Like, nobody's enjoying losing. Um, but – kind of the perfect situation needing all the reps that you can get i i hope for steven silas's sake this is their last year of tanking i, I mean we've seen houston's kind of history in the past if they're able to add two max guys and, and they don't have to be stars but but some of the the free agent possibilities jordan pool tyler hero guys that have been flowing out there deandre hunter i mean they're they're a handful of guys that i, I don't want to say are, they could overpay for but you bring in talent along with these young guys as they continue to develop, and all of a sudden you've got something incredibly scary. So um, I, for the Mavs' sake, I'll, I'll <laughs> push that thought out of my mind because I'm not going to worry about them yet. Um, but the future is definitely bright in Houston. Yeah, I think. I mean, when you look at the free agency landscape, I mean, guys like Jordan Poole, Tyler Hero, DeAndre Hunter, those are three guys that I assume will get extended during this next season. But then you've got guys like Karis LeVert, guys like Kobe White, uh, and obviously it's that you're taking tiers or steps down as, as the guys that are the best will likely get extended by their team, no matter what the cost. Um, but you've got these kind of in between guys that you could potentially overpay. Um, and then looking beyond that into the following, uh, summer, you've got, you do have big names like Paul George, Kawhi, I think as of right now, most would assume that they will stay with the Clippers. The Clippers are expected to have a big year this year, but as we've seen with the Brooklyn Nets, things can very quickly take a tumble. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to say anything is guaranteed. And then you got another guy out there uh, in DeMontis Sabonis, who's in a very questionable situation right now. I'm rooting for Sacramento. I like the Keegan Murray pick, um, but I there are questions there. So a, another guy out there is Jalen Brown, who doesn't seem very happy right now. So despite just going to the finals, there are always names and things to be monitoring. So when you have financial flexibility to the extent that they have it uh it's it's i mean that's huge demar Derozan, another free agent uh in that 2024 uh summer og ananobi jared vanderbilt lonzo ball patrick williams cole anthony like the there are plenty of intriguing names to continue to add to this group and the way i'm looking at houston in my mind there is absolutely no reason why they can't be the next memphis grizzlies and potentially even better because jalen green and jabari smith the talent is there. The ceiling is there. And 
I just don't see any reason why they couldn't do that. And so I, I mean, I love, 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 I can't say it enough what they're putting together. And that is how you rebuild right there. I think I was very much a, I do not like this James Harden deal. You have, when you trade someone like James Harden, you have to get the young guy. Uh, but luckily that pick ended up going their way. They were able to bring in Jalen green and this thing just took off from there. So I think that they're in a really good spot and I think they deserve a lot of praise. Right. I mean, I just scrolling through Tankathon, you look at some of their past, they've not had a first round pick since 2015 where they drafted Sam Decker. That obviously didn't go too well. Uh, but the second they traded away James Harden, they obviously got some draft compensation in return, but they turned around and put it to use. Uh, and as far as a rebuild can go, that is the number one thing you can ask for from front office. So for Rockets fans, I'd be very happy with what's happened over the past two years, considering what it looked like when James Harden said he wanted out. So all good signs for Houston moving forward. We're going to take a break when we come back. Uh, we we teased it before. We we are going to talk about the Golden State Warriors uh, and then our final team. We'll, we'll leave for a mystery for now. We've, we've talked some in the past, but we'll do a deeper dive on them when we come back. Stay with us. All righty. Welcome back. So before the break, we talked about the Houston Rockets. Uh, as well as the Atlanta Hawks, we're going to move to the defending champs, uh, the Golden State Warriors. Despite winning the championship, their core is obviously intact, but they did have an interesting offseason. Uh, they were able to keep Kevon Looney. Um, however, they watched Gary Payton II, Gary Payton Jr., uh, as well as Otto Porter Jr., Nemanja Bielitsa, Juan Toscano-Anderson, and Damian Lee, uh, all guys who who were able to find a new home this season and and some of them got paid. And obviously that happens when you win a title, you can't keep everybody, especially when they're paying the big three as much as they are. Uh, but they brought in D Dante DiVincenzo as well. Um, and so by no means a, a disappointing off season. Um, but then they turned around and drafted Patrick Baldwin jr. Uh, who he was a top 10 high school recruit out of the 2021 class. However, he went to the university university of Milwaukee to play for his dad um, and, and had a, uh, disappointing may not be the right word, but an inefficient uh, stint while he was in college. I had a little bit of trouble shooting from three, uh, but he was the guy playing uh, in, in a little bit of competition. Maybe he wasn't used to or, or a system. Who who knows? I, I can't say I've watched a ton of Patrick Baldwin Jr. Um, however, all that to say, the talent is there. Uh, and they, they turned around and, and drafted him. And, and of course they did because they're the Golden State Warriors and everything is perfect for them all the time. And they're lucky, right? Uh, no, they obviously know what they're doing. Uh, and so it'll be interesting to see kind of moving forward. They they add him to uh, some young guys, Jonathan Kaminga, uh, Moody Moody, as Kendrick Perkins would say, <laughs> uh, as as well as Wiseman. Um, he drafted a couple other second round picks, which, which we may touch on here in a second as well. But on top of getting younger assets that they drafted, they they bring in Dante DiVincenzo uh, and Jamichael Green as well, another guy that they brought in. So Lauren, Overall, I mean, forget the championship. We're, we're we're looking towards the future now. What are your thoughts for the Warriors moving forward? Yeah, I mean, all those guys that you mentioned that they lost, obviously it sucks to see guys leave from a championship team. We know all oh, about that as Mavs don't, fans. Don't do that to <laughs> me. Keep moving on. <laughs> um, but when you're able to keep your core together while also – keeping in very intriguing young core in terms of like you mentioned James Wiseman Jonathan Kaminga uh Moses Moody and Jordan Poole I mean having all of those guys like you you do clearly still have the future or a future um and so bringing in Dante DiVincenzo I think 
I just want to say fantastic move by Dante DiVincenzo to sign with the Golden State Warriors because he is about to be on everybody's screen. He's about to, like, he's going to get so much attention and that is going to help him sign this next, whatever his next contract is, that's going to be some serious money because he is a legit player. So uh, when I saw him sign there, I know a lot of people are like, of course the Warriors got Dante DiVincenzo. Uh, But I think Dante DiVincenzo, his agent, fantastic move to go there um so I, I mean bring in him and Jamichael Green like you mentioned saved them 61 million dollars in luxury tax by specifically just letting after letting Gary Payton uh the second auto player junior and then the um the other along with the other guys that you mentioned um like that's a big deal especially when you're running a team and you've got such a high payroll so the fact that they're able to have these win now splash brother plus Draymond group with a young core is crazy like that is actually crazy that they're continuing to just keep this going while still having six first round pick uh to potentially trade if they want to try and do something crazy um they just have so many options and I do like Ryan Rollins I thought that was a good pick I saw a lot of draft Twitter uh speaking fondly of that one and I think that they obviously feel the same after signing him to, to that three-year deal. Um, so I, I like the landscape that they're at. I think that even though they lost some solid rotation pieces, they still have managed to keep the core together, keep key pieces on the bench while bringing in uh, solid pieces. So I, I think they're in, I think they're in great shape. It's really, to me, it all, it always comes down to health with the Golden State Warriors. Um, and I'll be interested to see where James Wiseman really does fall this season how does he look is he you know what maybe god I don't even want to say what they wanted him to be because I feel like that's an unfair expectation but I am interested to see how where he fits into that formula and what he lives up to uh this year because I think for them that's probably the biggest question right now yeah if you can get a James Wiseman healthy I mean I hate to say what is the ceiling for the Warriors because we've already seen it without him Mm -hmm. but um, it just unlocks different things that they can do. Draymond doesn't need to anchor the team if he can be the defensive anchor they want. Um, but, but there's just all kinds of all kinds of things that he could help them with and just adds another dimension to their team. Uh, you, you talked about Ryan Rollins, Guy Santos, the other two, the other second rounder that they added as well, 6'8 wing. Um, and it just seems like they continue to pick up talent. Uh, but there are a few questions looming over the Warriors, not just this season, but but moving forward. Uh, obviously the core of their team, the the Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Draymond are going to command big money. Uh, I can't imagine a world where Draymond leaves at this point in time, <laughs> but he said he's looking and expects max money. Um, Lauren, do you think that's realistic for Draymond? Here's the thing. Do I think it's realistic? Do I think he's worth a max? Two very different answers. Yep. Because the way the NBA works if you are playing right now, like a max player, you are going to get a max contract. And if you are, even if you're not putting up crazy numbers, which Draymond isn't a guy that puts up crazy numbers, but you are impacting winning to the extent that he does, you're going to get a max contract. And so barring, you know, health, if he, if they're continuing to play very well, and he's a big part of that, I don't think it's out of the question that he gets a max extension from the Golden State Warriors. I just think that that's how the NBA operates. It's very much, I've said it a million times, it's very much recency bias. And if a contract ends up being a huge mistake, well, then you just deal with it later on. But if you can keep a key core together, well, then you just do it. 
that's what I feel like we just continue to see time after time. So I'll be interested to see how much that situation goes back and forth and how, um, how much Golden State is open to giving him that kind of money, especially the age, the health, all of the above, especially when you have a guy like Jonathan Kaminga to potentially step up into that role if need be. Um, I think it's very interesting, but the intangibles that Draymond brings to the table does not grow on trees. And I think the Golden State Warriors know that. So what I also think is that if it does become apparent that he's not going to get that there, I don't think it's out of the question that he goes somewhere else to get it. Lawrence frozen on my screen. She'll pop back here in a second. But but when she does, I think it's it's interesting that Draymond is in this position because we kind of look at what happened this offseason, uh, or excuse me, this past season, and, and we saw the Warriors get right back to it. We saw them uh, – it looked like there was never any injuries that ever affected them, and Draymond was a huge part of, of their success. Uh, there were definitely a couple times where it felt like he – wasn't on the floor, whether it was because he wasn't playing well or or wasn't able to do some of the things Draymond always does, but he was still one of the only four players throughout the playoffs to play more than 30 minutes a game uh, for them. And so uh, he just is incredibly important to this team. And, and I've got to imagine to some degree, they're going to reward him for all that he's helped with. He obviously took a pay cut, pay cut being a, a very loose term, but in <laughs> NBA terms, a pay cut, um, so that they could pay Steph and Clay the, the max and, and Kevin Durant as well, which turned into um, ultimately Andrew Wiggins now. So so I've got to imagine Draymond feels he is due. Uh, but Lauren, b- before you cut out there, you were talking about Draymond finding a- another team potentially if if Golden State's not willing to to give him that money. And so I can't imagine it's a team that's not contending, but where where are some possibilities what does that look like if Draymond's looking to move on somewhere else uh it's obviously going to be for max money where Mm -hmm. where could that make sense I mean I could see some non-contending teams being like hey Draymond Draymond over here (laughs) could could you could you realistically (laughs) see Draymond playing for a Sacramento or a Charlotte Eh, Charlotte could be in a better spot a couple years from now but like I don't okay here's the thing I think Draymond is the type of guy that has the leadership qualities. And I think some people may disagree with me and that's fine, but I think he has the leadership qualities and the hunger and competitive like fire to be this veteran leader that's trying to put or establish a culture and really, or even build a winning culture in a team that has desperately needed it. So I don't want to sit here and say, oh, I would keep an eye on the Sacramento Kings and the <laughs> D- Draymond Green sweepstakes. I don't want to necessarily say that, but I think Draymond Green is one of the few guys that are at that stage in their career that would be open to going somewhere that is less desirable um, to to make a bunch of money and to try and establish a winning culture like I don't see him going somewhere and signing like a very short-term deal or like something where he's making a bunch annually and can just you know not really put that much effort in or even pull like an Andre Iguodala and just like sit out I mean obviously he wouldn't do that after signing there that makes no sense but like I just I don't see him um 
being like, oh, I need to compete for a title or nothing, or I'm sitting until I get to a Miami, a Golden State, or a, or, or you know what I mean? Like, I just don't see him being one of those guys. And I think that there are plenty of teams out there that would say, you know what? A guy like that is exactly what we need. And if we've got to pay him a bunch of money annually, it might, I don't want to sit here and say, oh, a max contract. He's getting four years. I don't necessarily want to say that. He might end up getting four years. I just, as of right now, I don't feel like that's necessarily a done deal. Um, that that's the length of the contract. But I do think that there are teams out there that would offer him a pretty significant amount of money if it means bringing him in to bring in those intangibles, the leadership, and help continue to establish an identity or a culture. Yeah, so I agree with you for the most part. However, I think right now what they're doing at Golden State has been so much fun for him, Steph and Clay, all mm-hmm. very close in age, all obviously drafted around the same time and, and have built this together. Um, I, I, I could see a world as well where he goes for that leadership role. However, I think it's a J.J. Redick type situation where he signs that like one year, $20 million where he's towards the final four years of his contract. Now in JJ Reddick's defense, he went to Philadelphia and did that and absolutely contributed for two years uh, before going to, to New Orleans where his, his kind of career began to wind down. But um, that's the type of role I see Draymond leaving for. I can't imagine there's a world he leaves golden state on his own accord for more money elsewhere. I just, as long as this team is competitive, because when you saw what they looked like without clay, without Steph, Draymond, I don't expose is not the right word, but, but he's not a guy who can organize non all-star players. He, he obviously does a lot and is incredibly valuable, but when you go for competing for finals year after year after year, playing with MVP candidate, Steph Curry, uh, and, and, 77th all-time best player clay thompson (laughs) um it's it's easier and i i do not want to be do not everyone listening to this do not be the person that hears this and think i'm saying draymond is only good because he's playing with stephen clay that's not what i'm saying Mm -hmm. what i am saying is you you get used to working off of guys like that it's easier to communicate with guys you've been doing this for your career you jump into a team that you haven't been a part of and things are different. And it's not that he can't con- contribute on the defensive end that he does. It's not that he can't orchestrate an offense or a defense as well as he has over his career. It's just different. And so I can't imagine Draymond moves on from doing what's natural and what's probably a little easier in golden state, even if it means, you know what, it's not the max, but I still get to compete uh, uh, until the end of his career. I could see him moving on. Yeah, no, I, I I'm, I'm there with you because I, even if Golden State is like, I'm sorry, we are just not giving you the max, I still don't think they're going to be like, well, we're going to lowball you so much that it right. just sets you off and pushes you out the door. They're not going to do that. That's crazy. Um, So I think most likely he stays in Golden State for all the reasons we've been talking about. He loves it there just as much as they love him there. Um, Whether it be for the max or it not be, I still believe that that's the most likely scenario. Um, but in the event that it's not for the max, I do think that there will be bad teams out there that are offering him the max. And so it's really a matter of, you know, how big is the difference and how much does that open or turn his head a little bit? And so I I still, I wouldn't necessarily hold your breath and think, 
uh, you know, for the Mavs, <laughs> Mavs people, it's like, <laughs> oh, summer 2023, Draymond, how you feel? You know, I'd, I, yeah. wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily hold your breath for that one. But, uh, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at on Draymond. Absolutely. Well, we'll keep it quick on these last two guys, but but two other names that, that are kind of in a similar situation. That's Andrew Wiggins. Uh, after this season will be, I believe, an unrestricted free agent. And Jordan Poole, after this season, will be a restricted free agent. Um, so, so two other guys who are um, in a contract year, but are obviously big and important to what Golden State is doing. Um, Lauren, what are your thoughts on, on what things could look like for Andrew Wiggins and Jordan Poole moving forward? Yeah, I mean, um, Jordan Poole, I expect him to sign a deal similar to Anthony Simon's uh, four-year $125 million, or excuse me, $100 million deal. Um, that I, I feel like both sides want that, are prepared for that, and that will get done pretty seamlessly. Um, Andrew Wiggins is where I see things getting interesting because I know he had a stellar playoff performance. I know that, but I just don't think they need him. And that might be a hot take, (laughs) but I just don't think that they do. I think with Jordan Poole, the other guys that they have in there, if Andrew Wiggins, the way he's playing and continuing to improve, the dollar amount that he's going to be worth and and could potentially get elsewhere i just don't see him still being a part of that formula at that dollar amount i mean we're talking like approaching not not near but like approaching the clay and steph like up into that tier you know what i mean and so jordan pool is already a done deal you are keeping jordan pool no ifs ands or buts about that and then you still you'll have the jonathan kaminga extension coming up you'll have moses moody james wiseman all that so on top of the Draymond conversation that we just had, I really struggle to see where Andrew Wiggins fits into that. And I think it's deserved that he pretend, or in the event that he leaves and signs for, you know, really big money elsewhere. I think that's warranted. And I think that sometimes that's just how the league goes. Where are you at on it? Yeah. I think Wiggins is, is an interesting conversation. Uh, we talked about the success he had this past season being a function of the role he was in and playing that role really well. Uh, and obviously he helps them tremendously being a guy who can score 20 a night, but that you don't need to score 20 a night. And so that's a very interesting spot when you look at, well, what do you, what do you need Wiggins for? Uh, the interesting spot or, or piece to that is, is Clay Thompson. They always say coming off of an Achilles or an ACL injury, the second year back is the, the, the true test to, to see, are you back to what you were before? Uh, and I hate to say it, but we might be seeing that hopefully with Spencer Dinwiddie as a Mavs fan side note, but <laughs> with Clay Thompson. And so that's scary for the Warriors or for every other team, not the Warriors. Uh, and so uh, does that make Wiggins less necessary? Maybe. Um, at the same time, maybe they see Wiggins being the perfect mm-hmm. piece, that perfect fourth role to step in and be uh, a 20 point score one night and not another. So I, I don't know. I don't know what to expect. Um, I think if they, if they win another championship this year, I think they may say, Hey, you know what? <laughs> We're already paying a luxury tax bill out the butt. What's another 40 million. Like, I, I just don't know. And do, do yeah. I think, do I think Wiggins is getting 40 million? No, but I think that could translate into a luxury bill of another 40 million. Yes. Uh, just, just depending on, on how things work out. So fascinating things to look out for I, I don't know what what it's going to look like I, you say pool's a done deal I don't know the fact that he's restricted obviously gives them a lot of a lot of leverage but it, it's just 
it, it's a great time to be a Golden State Warriors fan. Oh yeah, definitely a great time to be a Golden State Warriors fan. To me, Pool is a done deal. Like I don't even think that there's any question about that. Um, as far as Wiggins, like I keep looking at Portland, I keep looking at Charlotte. I look at some of these teams that are desperately trying to just add talent and that will have money to try and bring in guys. And for Andrew Wiggins, right? That's this past year, finals champion. And I'm sorry, don't don't forget all-star starter <laughs> okay <laughs> i'm sorry i'm sorry I'm you're, sorry. you're right though no you're i had right. to get that in there but I, I i just i do think that it's an interesting kind of thing and i think that some teams might say hey look if we're not a market or a scenario where we are ever in the running for the guys that enter free agency like a Kawhi, a james harden like if we're never in the category or the tier for that where can we try and get someone who has shown continuous improvement and could potentially, we could reel them in by paying them the money that they're looking for and they could fit really well and continue to grow here, especially at the age that Andrew Wiggins is at. So um, I, I think it's a very interesting conversation, but I think for a guy like Andrew Wiggins who entered the league looking at where am I going to be Cleveland, Minnesota, where am I going to be? Where am I going to be? And now to find himself playing in the Bay playing for titles, like, that's very difficult to walk away from. So does that kind of play into how much money uh, or how, what kind of pay cut that could translate to? Uh, just a lot of questions there. So definitely an interesting situation to continue to monitor as it, to me, seems still very much up in the air. For sure. Wiggins definitely seems like that guy. Whether all-star starter deserved or not, was absolutely an all-star last year. Uh, and, and just a a, a great story. Um, so yeah, lots, lots to keep an eye on there. We're going to move to our last team. Uh, we, we talked about Colin Sexton in the past. We'll talk about him more here. Uh, but it's the Cleveland Cavaliers, obviously absolutely hurt by injuries last year. That kind of tampered off the tail end of their season. They winded up falling into the play-in game, ultimately did not make the playoffs. Um, hopefully being healthy this year will change some things. But Lauren, they signed Ricky Rubio after he tore his ACL. I believe they ended up trading him away as part of some deadline move. Uh, and he, After his contract expired this past summer, they re-signed him. They also drafted Ochai Abahi at the end of the, the first round, uh, as well as drafted or, or signed, I, I honestly don't know, Isaiah Mobley. Uh, signed him to a two-way deal, uh, brother of Kevin Mobley. Kevin Mobley? Evan, Evan, Evan. Evan. I was like, Kevin doesn't sound right. Evan Mobley, thank you. <laughs> uh, but you add you add just these versatile wings, like like Ochai is just, to me, fits perfect in this, off, in this lineup. Um, so, Lauren, before we talk about Colin Sexton again, um, what do things look like for this this team? Colin Sexton included or not, we know they're going to have a lot of length, a lot of young talent, uh, and they were, by all means, very competitive. Mm-hmm. Seemed to be a great defensive team in the first set of the first half of the season, um, and we'll hopefully look to get back to that. So, Lauren, what are your what are your thoughts on them? I mean, I I think they're another team that has a really solid landscape moving forward. Uh, can uh, they're continuing to go in the right direction, and you have plenty of reasons to believe that they will they will again, continue to go down that path. And I mean, JB Bickerstaff was a guy that had a phenomenal uh, season last year. And early on, I was kind of looking at him as potential uh, coach of the year candidate. Um, And obviously that didn't happen, but he's still a very solid head coach. And it seems like they have just the, again, the culture and identity that he's established with that team uh, 
everybody's on the same page with it. And, and I think that that's huge for a young team um, that is continuing to try and become more and more competitive. And then on top of that, personnel wise, they have established their core of um, Darius Garland, Evan Mobley and, and and Jared Allen. And then additionally, you do have Karis LeVert. I personally have questions as to where they see him as a, as a part of um, their long-term plans. I know they just made that move and that was a, a widely praised move. Um, and he is a solid player. I just, Personally, I do have questions as to where they see him um, moving forward. But again, I think that that's a question that will that's down the line. I don't think that's immediate. Uh, but another guy that had a really solid year with them, Lowry Markinen. Questions going into the season of okay, they have a million and one bigs. Why go sign Lowry Markinen to the deal that you signed him to? He ended up playing minutes at the three, having a solid defensive year. I mean, he was really good for them. So I love what they're doing. Kevin Love was solid off the bench. Bringing back Ricky Rubio, like you mentioned, was was a good move. I just I think that they're in a really good spot. And uh, everybody loved, everybody loved Oche going into the draft. Mm-hmm. Who was going to get him? We all were wondering. Um, and I think he... I, I don't want to say, oh, he's the next Desmond Bain. That's just, I don't think that that's how things work, but I think that there are a lot of similarities embracing the environment that you get drafted into, no matter what it is. Um, kind of a uh, four-year four year player, three-year player. I, one of the two, I'm, I forget, four years. Thank you. Um, and, and just a winner. A winner plays yep. both sides of the ball. I think he has potential to come in and really be a big impact player there. Um, and that is a, another big reason as to why I have questions uh, about Karis LeVert and where he is in their long-term plans. If Oche comes in and potentially does get a starting spot. Uh, and uh, additionally, if Colin Sexton comes back and he is back in that starting lineup next to Darius Garland. So um, I don't want to say lots of questions in Cleveland. Cause I think right now they're in a really, really good spot. Uh, I do think that most likely they do end up bringing back Colin Sexton just because it looks like there are not that many suitors out there for him right now, but you never know how things can change. Uh, if a Kevin Durant domino falls or even a Donovan Mitchell domino falls. Um, but that being said, uh, I, th- I just, I do think that they're in a really, really solid spot. What do you think? Yeah. I, w- I want to touch on Kevin Love in a second, but mm-hmm. you just, you, you touched on all these wing bigs that they have and it seemed to work for them obviously Karis Levert um, a a guy who's dealt with some injuries and and health issues in the past so I mean for his sake we hope to see him kind of get back to that but a guy who in 19 games played 30 minutes a game Um, Isaac Okoro another guy 30 minutes a game in 67 games last year and they've just got a lot of different pieces that um, you look at and, and you you I mean going down the cap sheet going down the roster another team that's flexible and, mm-hmm. and if you're you're not competing in the nba the only other thing you want to be is flexible uh and and that means you can tank you can compete you you have options and by no means do i think this team's looking to tank um but they have guys that they can trade to potentially upgrade uh, and so that brings me back to kevin love obviously the name that gets floated around a lot uh, he's going to be 34 by the time the season starts he's in the final year of his deal um, I, I think he does have something to offer for a championship or contending level team. I, I think he has a lot to offer this team as well, being a veteran president. Talked about on the JJ Reddick's podcast in the middle of last year, being that six man uh, and embracing that role with this younger team uh, and having a lot of fun with that. So, so do I think there's a spot for him here? Absolutely. Would I be surprised if he's on Cleveland's roster next year? Not entirely, uh, but I do think he's a name that 
a buyer could come along and see, hey, hey, you're not using him in the way that we could. And I think we could we could make something of that. And so, Lauren, mm-hmm. um, I don't want to sit here and just shop around ideas, but but Kevin Love is a name that has definitely been been targeted or or floated around for the past couple of years. So mm-hmm. so what are your kind of thoughts on on their options with Kevin Love? Yeah, I mean, I think he's a name, like you said, we've heard it many times. There have been questions on potential buyout, questions on teams trying to consolidate. Just there's always a little bit of talk of of Kevin Love at some point or another. And now, like you said, with him being in the final year of his deal, there are lots of guys out there that need big money moved uh, to match money or teams that are lo- that are known for being open to taking on salary if it means that they can um, get sweetener draft compensation however whatever however you want to phrase it uh in order to do so and a a team that i think is really intriguing is the san antonio spurs everyone knows that right now they are in accumulate as many assets as possible we've moved on from Dejounte murray let's just keep it going we are in tank mode so i do think a kevin love uh trade could be interesting there because from what i've gathered um from some of my cleveland cavalier friends it's that Cleveland is looking to get more wings. They are looking to continue to build out this roster. They've got their number one point guard who they've just signed to a max extension. They've got Evan Mobley. They've got Jared Allen. So it's time to continue to fill in those gaps and build out the roster. So a trade that I think is very fascinating. I don't know that I'm necessarily saying, oh, book it. But uh, a framework that I think is interesting is Kevin Love and maybe a couple of seconds uh, and then to match salary. Uh, from San Antonio, Cleveland would get Doug McDermott and Josh Richardson. I think that that's an intriguing uh, deal for for Cleveland. You get a guy like Doug McDermott who could kind of plug into what Kevin Love does as, as far as just coming in and being this shooter off the bench that uh, catches ca- ca- off the catch and shoot and, and gets these open looks and can come in and just provide you with a little bit of a burst. And then Josh Richardson being a guy that, that can handle the ball, despite what some Mavs fans might say, <laughs> can handle the ball, plays on both sides of the ball, and has been playing pretty well uh, in San Antonio since being traded there for Derek White. Um, so I think that that could be an interesting option for them. Of course, Kevin Love would would then most likely get bought out or just ride the rest of the year out and then go play uh, somewhere that I would expect the Lakers, but that's neither here <laughs> nor there. Um uh... I'm sorry. Kyrie I, and Kevin Love and LeBron back in LA. There please, is just, no. yeah, there, I'm sorry. There's no way that doesn't happen. Yeah. There is actually no way that that does not happen. Next Seems summer. to make too much sense. It just does back in. You can see the headlines now, not to go off subject, but <laughs> yep. UCLA to the Lakers to the purple and gold. I mean, it is just, it writes yep, itself. And it so, does. Um, Again, neither here nor there, but I think that that is a situation that could be best for, for everybody involved. Kevin Love gets, whether it be via buyout or whatever, he gets to kind of go in the direction that he's been waiting to go. Um, uh, Excuse me. Uh, Cleveland gets more wings. They get assets that, again, like you said, when you have flexibility down the line, you can look to compile or or put together and try and go get somebody else, whatever that may look like. So I just, I think that there are lots of options for Cleveland. I don't, think that they necessarily have to move the Kevin Love contract by any means because like you said and like we saw last year he was very solid for them off the bench but there are options when you have a contract like that and an expiring uh in the in the final year so we'll see if they decide to do anything with it but again I like where Cleveland's at and I think that they having the flexibility moving forward is is going to be very very huge for them 
Absolutely. Like the Golden State Warriors, it's a good time to be a Cavs fan. You, you see the direction. You saw the steps they took last year, and you hope to kind of see more continued progress. Uh, and kind of a fun young team to watch. You don't expect a team that's so big, heavy um, to have success like they did, but but they ended up being a lot of fun to watch. But, but they do have one outstanding question. Uh, and like I said, we've talked about this on prior pods, but but that's Colin Sexton. Uh, there haven't been a lot of suitors. It sounds like they haven't been able to agree on a deal. Um, Lauren, I want to throw two things out at you. Uh, when I think of teams with cap space, the Pacers are another team. They went in on Aiton and weren't able to get that done. They seem to be another team that could potentially pair Tyrese Halliburton with a Colin Sexton. Uh, mm-hmm. that, that could make a lot of sense. Um, but if that doesn't happen, if, if there's just not a right suitor, do you see him signing uh, a, a longer term deal to come back to Cleveland? Or do you think there's a possibility that he becomes the first rookie to sign their qualifying offer and, and become an unrestricted free agent after his full five years? I absolutely think that that's very much on the table personally. And I have mentioned in the past, Colin Sexton to the Pacers. Why not? You have the potential to for him to come play there um and and show why he's worth you know paying uh and because he's still a really solid young player uh but i think if that were going to happen would have already happened um and so that's i kind of am starting to lean away from that a little bit but again you just never know things can always change but i still lean if that were if he were going to sign somewhere it would have already happened the teams that would be in play for colin sexton i think it would have already happened and so um or I should phrase it, the teams that I think would be in play for Colin Sexton are the teams that are not in play for Donovan Mitchell and Kevin Durant. And so in that scenario, I do think it would have already happened. So I think for him, his best option is to sign that qualifying offer, have your prove it deal, and then enter free agency as an unrestricted free agent and try to go get exactly what it is you want where you have full control. I think that that might be his best option as of right now, but you never know. You just never know. There could be a team out there that says, hey, we want Colin Sexton. Maybe there is, you know, a deal on the table, but they are looking for maybe they're not in the running for Kevin Durant, but maybe they're eyeing as a potential facilitator. Um, and if that doesn't work out, then maybe they'll pull the trigger on Colin Sexton. I don't necessarily I'm not holding my breath on that scenario, but you've got to always kind of try and think of as many different avenues uh, as possible. Um especially when you're a team or if you're ever just out there looking for who's available and what paths might lie ahead for your specific team. Uh, But I think as of right now, most likely he ends up back in Cleveland for one year. I think they'd love to have him there. And I, and I also don't want to rule out that he goes there for the prove it deal. They have a solid year. He's playing well. Everybody's on the same team. And then he re-signs there even after that. You know, I don't want to say that that's completely off the table either. Cause I do think he likes Cleveland. I just think he likes money, but who doesn't? So, <laughs> I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. You're playing in the NBA. So there's nothing wrong with that. Um, so I just, for Colin, I think the biggest thing is don't rule out any options. I think that's, that's the biggest thing. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I, I think the fascinating piece of this is, is what that deal is going to look like. I do disagree with you a little bit. I think there is a team who could, be in on the Donovan, the Donovan Mitchell sweepstakes that does not end up piecing something together that may turn and say, hey, Colin Sexton's available. There's, They seem to be far apart on a deal. We're willing to take a swing. Now, obviously, the injury this past season is the big question over Colin Sexton, and I think that's what's going to ultimately land him back in Cleveland. Nobody's going to be willing to, to move big assets, and obviously he's not going to command Donovan Mitchell assets either, um, but it just seems to be 
him ending ending up in Cleveland this next year seems to be um, the writing on the wall. What we don't know what it's going to be is it what's what's that going to look like? Is it going to be the qualifying qualifying offer? And personally, I would love that just just as a case study for what things are going to yes. look like moving forward for players. Um, but but at the same time, I definitely understand long term security and and everything is, is vastly important. And I understand. Him, him potentially saying, you know what, three years, $40 million, maybe not what I want, but it is a lot of money. I, I There are a hundred ways this could go with him returning to Cleveland that I would completely understand, but I'm going to have my eyes on it either way. Yeah, I mean, I think it'll be, it'll definitely be interesting because the last, uh, another case study that he could potentially be looking at is a guy named Dennis Schroeder. The last thing you want to be doing no kidding. is turning down, you know, what, I don't even remember what he was on. I think it was four point. for 84, for, maybe. Yeah, something. Yeah, that's what it was. Four for 84. Over 20 million annually, which is what Colin Sexton wants. And obviously he's not getting that right now in Cleveland. But turns out, ends up signing for the MLE. And now here we are, fast forward to, the, to today. And he has yet to sign with the team. And granted, there could be some other reasons for that. That's not necessarily the point. But I think the, these case studies that that we're referring to are very important to watch. So um, if he ends up signing for the three years, 40 million, whatever it ends up being, um, I don't think that that's the worst thing for him. Um, And, and I don't think it's the worst thing for Cleveland either. I think that's, I mean, that's a fantastic dollar amount to get him at. So, uh, you know, we'll just see, we'll just see what that means uh, for him. And if how eager he is to bet on himself. Absolutely. Well, that's going to bring us to a a close on another edition of the gunshot. Uh, This was part two of our look around the NBA series. Uh, Reach out to us on Twitter. Uh, We love to hear y'all's thoughts on these teams and these players as well. Um, There are obviously no clear path for anyone. We like talking about it. We like speculating about it because it's the off season and that's what we do, but we love to hear from you guys. So reach out to us on Twitter and give us your thoughts. Thanks again for joining us and we will see you next time on the gunshot.